Formula One 1982. 40 drivers, 17 teams, 9 race winners, and one incredible story. Welcome to this limited series podcast by Slow Pit Stop, where we visit a season like no other. Hello and welcome everyone to the first episode of Slow Pit Stop 1982. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. So hi Mohammed. Hi Mohammed. And we are also joined by a guest this week, Ash from at Ashmanix on Twitter and Instagram. Do you have an Instagram? Uh, yes, I yes I do. Very good. Um, so, as <laughs> we stated up top, what we want to discuss today is the 1982 Formula One season, and I'm just going to be covering the the start of the season and uh, maybe let you know about some of the key players and things. But how much do you know about 1982 as a year, like as a whole? Ah, what happened in 1982? Stranger Things, I think, was taking place at that time. So, um, the Cold War, um, yeah, Reagan, I think. Yeah, that's all I know. Should we look at your birthday? Yeah. My birthday was not 1982. No, but your birthday in 1982. A gasoline tanker exploded in Afghanistan, killing 176 people. That's what happened on your birthday in 1982. But you know what? That was when the U.S. was funding the Taliban. Mm. I think. And then, Ash, (laughs) if we look at around your birthday, this isn't on your birthday, but it's near enough. Air Florida Flight 90 crashes shortly after takeoff into a bridge in Washington, D.C. Into the Potomac River. That's a real river? I've heard it on TV, but I've... Okay. What did you think we made up the name of the river? <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about it. <laughs> so how are you both today? What's happening? How you doing, uh, Ash? Uh, well, I'm all right. Um, <laughs> just like randomly messages me earlier. Well, I say earlier, like a couple of hours ago. Podcast at ten. I'm like, what? Uh, doesn't say what podcast doesn't say anything just say podcast <laughs> at 10 and i'm like oh and i've just like spent two hours two and a half hours talking to myself um for a good reason uh, i didn't set fire to the house this time so it's good so yeah could be better man but that's 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 my uh norm so why did you spend two and a half hours talking to yourself uh is that for your youtube channel Yes, yes, and you know, um, I think it's. I, I realize how much of a bad idea it is to decide to do all the voices for a visual novel state uh, game when there's lots of characters and they're all talking all the time. Um, bad for my voice, and I'm a, I suck at it. And then I have to listen to myself when I edit them, and put them up. It's great. I've actually got used to listening to my own voice, which is a horrible thing. I used to cringe at it super hard, but now I cringe less. I used to not like listening to my voice at all until we started doing this podcast, and then I got really, really used to it. And then last year sometime, I was on the news for like a small segment, and I could not watch that segment of the news. I could not stand the way my voice sounded. Um, Wait, so all you were on the news? On. I Yeah, local news. Not like, I wasn't on CNN, but local news for but like you a were short, on like, I don't like, know. couple-minute segment. You're on, like, local town uh, TV news. Have you never been on the local news before? Mate, shut the hell up. They've never interviewed you, Ash, like... (laughs) They've never been, like, rising petrol prices have local people feeling dismayed and they don't cut to Ash, like... Don't don't you have to be out... Don't you have to, like, be walking around randomly, gormlessly, to be interviewed by a random person, by the the news people on the street? Uh, They can zoom you now. They can. Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, how do you? So, do you just like um, sign up to, uh, like, say for us in the UK, the BBC? It's like sign up, and you can be randomly contacted on Zoom to be asked (laughs) your opinion that doesn't really matter, but we'll just put it up and cut it in a way that probably makes you look bad in some sort of way. Oh my God! Shall I tell you something awful? I'm gonna have to cut this out, but um, (laughs) it'll be a fun story for the two of you. I once. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, the BBC were looking to talk to junior doctors about what was going on in the hospital and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I like replied and was like, yeah, fine, you can talk to me whenever. And then they were like, "Okay, we'll give you a call later today. And I forgot about it. 
and then I went to have a poop, and then an unknown number phoned me. And <laughs> I got really worried it was my dad, like phoning me randomly because he phones from an unknown number. And then suddenly there's this woman from the BBC um, who was like talking to me and asking me all these questions and things. And I was like just sat there on the toilet answering them all, trying to sound like a professional. Um, oh my god! You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't flush the toilet at that point, did you? No, Were you on no, the news no then? Flushing. No. Imagine if he flushed it and yeah, then that... she hears like the hand washing. <laughs> oh, that is. You know that is that is uh, goodness gracious me levels of like <laughs> comedy. Remember that one where he's being interviewed. There's a guy being interviewed, and he's in his office or something, and then at the end of it, he's actually been sitting in a toilet the whole time, and he reaches to. Have you? you know, before your yes. time. <laughs> Oh god, that so was did that, segment, seen it. No. did that segment ever make it to air? That... No, no, they didn't record me for air. It was more like a background interview kind of oh, thing. Oh, I see. Okay. So, how did you get contacted? Yeah. Like, how did they decide to contact you as an individual? I can't remember. I think it was through social media. It must have been because of Meme Reg. Look at that, Meme Reg. My interview was like supposed to be for someone, and then like they couldn't make it so they like said oh interview this other person and then that person couldn't make it and he was like interview this other person and then they're like oh i can't make it so then they got my number and uh, i wasn't doing anything so that's how i got on the news for that segment that's so, crazy yeah, i was like their fourth choice yeah. this is what I'm, this is what i'm doing right now just i'm trying to this is going to be cut as well i'm just trying to like draw more as an excuse so i'm just looking at fat's face the fact you look like santa claus this is how i draw you your camera's really blurry. You're just holding up the like, know, yellow piece of paper. It <laughs> Is it? It looks fine on my oh, end. Oh, so cute. Yeah. You look like Santa Claus. Are you drawing the, the new logo for Meme Reg? I have drawn. Is that Ash new... doing that? Yeah, you drew it. I uploaded it earlier this afternoon, Ash. I, you picked the one that I didn't vote for, so I'm very offended. Which one did you vote for? I went with the majority. I, I voted for the... Wait, what, what ended up getting picked? I actually don't even know. <laughs> so uh like funny story fat was like um do some just come up with some ideas and then you know we'll see what we do from there i'll post them up at some point and then decide and i was like all right so i just far basically brain farted some ideas right and i said like, all right i'll send them over <laughs> and then he'll you know he'll come back with some feedback and go okay and i'll say right i'll clean it up and then he can like post it up he just took it straight yeah. away and said that's fine and then i just saw the next yeah. thing i saw he posted it on on twitter i was like <laughs> i literally just like do you know how it's just like a picture imagine a, you got a picture taken of you just like crawling out of bed it's the equivalent of that for drawing i literally just i was like man yeah. that, i've just farted that out of my my hands right and he's put it up and i was just like oh crap i knew he would do that too I knew I as soon as you said like I just drew something else. I guarantee you he posted it, just as you. I as thought you they it. were good, and it's weird. Like <laughs> loads of people voted right, but nobody commented. And I was like, this is weird uh, engagement. Is this how this works? But can and you I, comment? Lo- I thought you would just put polls up. You uh, no, but you can reply up, to yes, you know you can you you can reply to the tweets. You know people reply to tweets to to polls and stuff. You know what I mean? Just like I don't know. One Nobody person replied on Instagram. He like sent me a private message, like a random that I didn't know. He um, messaged and just said none of them. Wow. <laughs> but also, if someone is like DMing it's like, you, it's gonna have yeah, to be something. But he went out of his way to do that. That's what I thought was pretty fun. Like he could have just ignored the poll, but he felt so strongly about it that he had to send a message. No, I think it was just That's trying so to funny. be memorable. I don't know. People just troll. No, I mean, it's just trolling. Um, Should we I mean, get I back into talking about the <laughs> I was just going to say, let's get, let's get into it. Yeah. So why don't we record for like an hour and then we'll just see where we finish. Yeah. And then we'll just keep doing an hour at a time um, until we... Yeah. Fi- so we could finish recording this all in the month of January and then yeah. release it. So people could be listening to the final episode in December. That would be insane. Yeah. Let's do that. I'm excited to do that. Wait, <laughs> while, while, so, while I've got Arafat um, here and just before we actually get into it, doing the proper thing when are we going to do our podcast i don't know we need to get into it we should probably do it on thursday evenings yeah on a thursday evening like uh that's what i thought this was gonna be until i saw the link in uh, (laughs) slow pit stock because i was like all right arafat's going to i thought i was gonna do it but okay 
basically okay. what I'm doing. The reason I set up my meme reg with the Facebook and stuff is because now I can link it to uh, Hootsuites. So hmm. I'm going to preload a whole bunch of memes and everything into scheduler and that'll just put them out on Twitter and Instagram. That'll just take care of itself. I want wow. to record a bunch of slow pit stop stuff in case at some point I'm unavailable. Yeah. Just once the baby's here, I don't know how busy I'm going to be. So I just want to try and get stuff done. Can't you then... just ignore the baby and focus on your real priority, which is me? I should. Can you just focus I on your God, do that. your memes, forget about your child, right? Focus on the memes, man. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of this new child. The first child already took all this attention away from me, and I don't know how I feel about a second child. Yeah, you've been busy, Why didn't you right? ask me before planning this second child? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been pretty busy uh, since this first one. Now you've got a, th a second one. Holy crap. I'm leaving this no. in the episode. I want the fans to know how neglected I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm sure they will send words of support as soon as they hear this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can already think of the only two people who will send words of support. My sister and your sister. Yeah. <laughs> My sister's not going to send any support to you, nor yours. <laughs> yours wouldn't either. All right, let's get into 1982. Fine. So set the scene. Yeah, so what I wanted to do was um, I wanted to write something myself, but a lot of better stuff has already been written by other people. So a lot of the time I've put together different reports from different people. Um, a lot of today's is from Dan Thorne, who wrote about this mm. on the WTF1 website. Um, there's some stuff from the 1982 F1 season review, uh, which was officially made by Formula One, whoever. And the narrator of that was Clive James. Um, oh, cool. And we'll get into some of his super weird uh, takes on how he explained things in a, I think, in a racist way. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll get into that. But yeah, I'm, but I'm going to read um, what I've managed to copy and paste and write myself and sort of put together into a single report and mm -hmm. you two feel free to interrupt at any time uh, and we can just chat about the random things that we we hear none of us were born in 1982 so you know we're experiencing this all for the first time um there'll be people that know a lot about 1982 that'll probably be screaming at us to say you know we got things wrong or we missed out important details um we don't get paid enough to care about that so that's fine and, <laughs> wait, um, wait, wait, wait 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 you guys get paid yeah, you guys getting paid for this? No, we're not. Nothing. That's why. All right, for for a second there, I thought you were yeah. <laughs> on oh, six-figure salaries here, man, on that hand? podcast money. Right. Yeah. I, I'm gonna do one more tangent before I get into this. Sorry, uh, this is gonna be a super full of tangent podcast. I feel like, but I think that's fine. I think this is chilled out, laid back. There was a guy yeah. at work today who I don't really know. I think I've met him a couple of times, and he's a researcher. And he was talking about his like cystic fibrosis research and he was like, oh, it's so annoying. You know, I've um, I've submitted this paper and it's been rejected three times. The reviewer is like really pedantic and really picking on this one section and keeps wanting it perfected. And this other researcher was talking to him and being like, oh, yeah, I hate it when that happens, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then I'm sat there and I just went, oh, your paper's been rejected. And he was like, yeah, and I went, I've never had a paper rejected before. <laughs> wow. and you could just see like the look on his face like am i being like really horrible to him or like his heart sank at the same time while he also thought i was being super arrogant and then i went because i've never submitted anything before ha 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 and then he was like oh okay fine <laughs> it's crazy how you pride yourself in being so average or yeah. <laughs> distinctly you know average that's that's the phrase i use I feel like some of you are uh, joking around in work. I'm like, wait, you're a, you're, you're a medical doctor. How the hell do you not get in trouble for this? Like uh, most people, uh, <laughs> they like they dare to tread on certain things and fast. Like, oh yeah, I was just uh, posting this that and uh, that. and I'm like, what, what? People still like you? Yeah, they find it funny. I'm like, I would be hated by everyone if I did anything like this. How do you get away with this? I don't know. Our fat's got a skill. He yes, does. but back to 1982. So I'm going to start reading Interrupt any time. So the 1982 season started rather oddly with deliberate inaction. The drivers went on strike. For Muhammad and other American listeners, a strike is when people are in a union and stop working to demand better rights. Have you ever okay, heard of Okay, listen, this? I have to say something about that. <laughs> okay, we have unions that go on strike. 
We don't go on strike all the freaking time. Your bin people are on strike. Your train people are on strike. Your doctors are on strike. Like every two weeks, the I hear about a new ambulance stri- drivers are also on strike. See, that's insane. We the have driving strikes. instructors. <laughs> Who is not? Is the are, like, who's not on strike? The, the border control are on strike. No, the teachers were on strike last week. Jesus. See, look, we go on strike, but we don't go on strike all the freaking time because it loses its value. If no one is working, society just falls apart. You have to go in a way that, you know, anyway, whatever, continue. The, these are, the drivers I'm, I will strike. devil's advocate, we live in interesting times with uh, lots of inflation and people that have had frozen yeah. salaries in the public sector for the last 12 years. I don't know. It's like for the last God knows how many years and are actually like... <laughs> lost a third of their salary technically if you take into account inflation (laughs) and so they're like oh wait on top of this of the last decade you are now giving us a present of lots of inflation and hyper uh, energy prices going through the roof which i don't think these are suffering as bad uh, over the pond so i will say that that's why people are so it's not it's not as bad in America because America is the greatest country in the world. But I will say <laughs> America. that if you choose to go on strike strategically, people will feel the absence of your labor and then it'll force them to come to the table and negotiate. If all you do is go on strike, it's like, okay, like, okay, now tomorrow the theater workers will be on strike. Day after that, the sidewalk cleaners will be on strike. I don't know what professions you have in your country. They'll all be on strike. It's very annoying. I just want the trains to run on time. That's all I want. I mean, I know it's annoying for you, kind of like just listening to it on the news. But <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it kind of affects us a little bit more. It's so inconvenient. <laughs> it's so inconvenient. Why is this on the news? Why are you always striking? Stop striking. Get over it. Get over not being able to pay your bills. Come on, guys. But like, I mean, I mean, look, it is. Uh, it's got it's a meme at this stage actually. I think there was a strike every day of December in the UK. Yeah. Um, but again, like uh, the energy crisis is it's so bad. It's affecting like the the people who are in lower incomes are absolutely screwed. Right. It's like this can make us homeless, and then people who are in the kind of middle income are are like i'm not i'm going to eat less <laughs> like it's that bad that it's like we have to properly like really really budget for this because now this is beyond uh it's became like uh, do you know how like certain things were a luxury heating has now became a luxury for like yeah. it, it be, it's being treated like not a luxury where people like we're just cutting this out and it's like something that you cannot treat as a luxury but it is and it's it's um this year is going to be fun but i'm going to stop being a miserable because sorry you're gonna have to you're gonna have to edit this so much (laughs) but um all right i have a i have a question yeah i have a question for arfa so how did the drivers go on strike to begin with because if i remember correctly way back in 2022 in the saudi grand prix the drivers all came together and said we are going on strike we will not drive and then the team bosses all came together and said yes you will or else and then they just drove so um, how did they go on strike in this particular occasion? So the drivers were protesting against the t- new terms of their super licenses. Mm. Um, and as a result, the practice sessions at the K- Kailami racetrack in South Africa were cancelled. So wow. I'll come back to the specifics of the strike in a minute. But what I want to talk to you about first is some of the key players in this season. So first up, Muhammad's favourite racing driver of all time. Jackie Stewart. Nelson Piquet. The 1981 oh, hey. world champion. So he was he was the champion from the previous year. And he'd been driving with uh, Brabham, which was known as mm. the Parmalat Racing Team. So 1981 was the first ever world championship that Nelson Piquet won. Yeah. Uh, he was driving for the team founded by Jack Brabham, who himself was a three times world champion uh, as a driver. Um, but you know Brabham. who the team principal of Brabham was in 1982? Toto Wolf. No, I don't uh, even know who that is. Uh, Big villain Stefano vibes. Stefano Domenicali. What? No, you're thinking of people that would have been like very young at the time. How old do you think Stefano Domenicali was in 1982? Let's find out. Since do you he... know, I was recently watching the 2007 Australian Grand Prix highlights. Yeah. And like right in the beginning, they were like, and here is... 
brand new uh, Ferrari boss, uh, Stefano Domenicali, in his first year in Formula One. And I was like, wow. Yeah. He was a baby. He was. So crazy. Yeah. So he so anyway, is 57 now. He was born in 1965. So in 82, he would have been a teenager. Cool. So who was it? Who was the boss? One Bernard Charles Eccleston. No. Bernie, Bernie That's Eccleston. Crazy. This is his villain's origin story. It is. So during this time, Bernie Eccleston was consolidating his power as the FOCA boss, which is a Formula One Constructors Association. And he was basically convincing everyone to give him the TV rights. So there's Hmm. a new documentary about Eccleston called Lucky, and it's out on Discovery Plus, apparently, which is a streaming service I will not be signing up to because (laughs) there's too many now. Do you know the other day I drove past a poster that was like, sign up to Lionsgate Plus now? And I was like, (laughs) why would I? I I have Netflix. I have Disney. I'm done. So Disney Plus, right? I said, okay, Disney Plus. Why would anyone else be like, I'm going to put plus on my thing because I want to. Yeah. It's like, because I'm <laughs> going to be more popular than Disney. Boring. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, <laughs> what the hell? is Apple TV plus. Like they, they don't have original names for their streaming services. They just take their name and add a plus to it. <gasps> Let's make slow pit stop plus, And we'll just have a bunch just of like original TV it. shows on there. Yes. You have yes. to pay yeah. for it. So, so $100 a month. There you go. so the team was known as parmalat racing team and parmalat is a dairy product company now owned by parent company called lactalis i really thought you're going to say nestle no so you'll you'll see it on you know you'll recognize the car the the iconic like blue and white car and the words parmalat across the side so i went onto their website to look at what products they sell Mm -hmm. Um, and it says parmalat offers milk products and fruit-based drinks in several markets across the world primarily under strong brand names. So I clicked on uh, a button on their website that said list of products because I thought it'd be fun, you know, maybe a game with you two. I'd name things and you say, is it a real product of theirs or not? Uh, And on their list of products, all it says is Adobe Flash Player no longer supported. (laughs) Wow. It's a real product. (laughs) How old is that? Also... There's a Wikipedia article titled Parmalat Financial Fraud and Bankruptcy Timeline. Wow. So there's a rich energy of 1982. That's crazy. Well, no, this this financial fraud stuff was in the 2000s. But in the 80s, they did have money. All right. Well, I'm still going to call them the rich energy of 1982. Yeah. I think that's fun. So Nelson Piquet is the current world champion. He won in 1981 under protested conditions. But... Uh, I'll just give you the drivers of the big teams, you know, McLaren, Ferrari, Renault, because there was 40 different drivers were uh, drove during this season. Wow. So I, I'm not going to go through them all. 20 teams? No, the, uh, I can't remember. It was 17 teams, but like mm. drivers would come and just race for a couple of races or here or there, mm. whatever. Um, so McLaren had John Watson and Nicky mm. Lauda. So Nicky mm. Lauda at this stage in his career was a two-time world champion. He'd mm. won with Ferrari in 75 and 77, and he'd retired in 1979. In 1982, McLaren had convinced him to come out of retirement. So this is his him coming back from retirement. Ooh, he's back. So Ferrari had two drivers whose names you may recognize, Didier Peroni and Gilles Villeneuve. Okay. Oh, I know Villeneuve. Well, I don't know Didier Peroni. Is that a type of pizza? Yes, it's nice. really tasty. Um <laughs> So Didier Peroni is French and Gilles Villeneuve is French-Canadian. Canadian. Fake Canadian. Fake Canadian. Renault, the French team, had two young French drivers, Alain Prost and René Arnoux. I know one of those guys, René Arnoux. (laughs) (laughs) So Alain Prost, um, many people will know, went on to become world champion four times, 85, Mm. 86, 88 and 93. But at this stage, you know, he was still, I think this was his second or third season um, so he's still on his way up. So honorable mentions, Nigel Mansell was starting out mm-hmm. in Formula One. He went on to become 1992 world champion. Wow. Um, Mario Andretti. <gasps> I so know him. I'm just going to say Nigel Mansell is like one of the first people I ever heard of from like Formula One because he was like super, mm. I think he was wow. super famous in, in the UK at that time, wasn't he? In terms of Formula One because mm-hmm. he was good. Yeah. Is he, is he British? Yeah, yes. he's British. Why does he sound Australian to me? 
It does. It doesn't uh, sound. I yeah, it does know. sound interesting. Isn't Nigel in Australia? Did he have a mustache? Did he have like a? Was he famous for a mustache? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's he famous had a mustache, for a mustache right? yeah. Was he like? Did he drive around in an RV with like a bunch of kids and a monkey? <laughs> yes, that was him. <laughs> oh my god! Why do I know that reference? There, there will be like only only Americans will understand that reference, and I, I'm down for it. Wait, can I guess? Um, can I guess what that reference is? Is it the Thornberries? Sure. <laughs> Yes, it is! Nigel Mantle and his wild thornberries. <laughs> so, other honourable mentions. Mario Andretti, who had sort of left Formula 1 at this stage, but he came and made a few guest appearances um, yeah. during the year. But he was world champion in 1978. He was world champion, right? Andretti, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Why did I read a report where it was like some teams don't want him in Formula One because he was a failed driver in Formula One? I was like, I'm pretty sure he won a championship. I don't think I would call that uh, so, like a failed driver. The failed driver thing is nonsense. One, yeah, for two reasons. One, the reason they don't want him in is because of money, because they don't want to have to share prize money with him. The other thing is they're not talking about Mario Andretti. They're talking about his son, who was a less successful Formula One driver. Oh. And currently the CEO and guy in charge of the Andretti oh. racing team. Marco Andretti. Yeah. Ma- Matthew There's Andretti. There's so many Andrettis. I don't know Mi- which one's which. Mark, Mr. Marco. Mohammed um, Andretti. Yes. Um, but speaking of father-son combos, another person that was driving at this stage was KK Rosberg, who was driving <gasps> for Williams. Oh I've heard God. of Rosberg. That's crazy. Yeah, Nico Rosberg, you oh, two know. Yes. So KK Rosberg is Nico's dad. I know KK Rosberg oh. from all those Heineken commercials when he's with Nico. Oh, is it, uh, I've never seen those. Oh, we get them all the time in America. Oh, no, I've never for seen them. Some, for some odd reason, we get a bunch of Heineken commercials with Nico and KK Rosberg in America. Amazing. Don't, I don't know why. Right. So <laughs> KK is Nico's dad. Um, he's driving in Williams, in which the team is improving as they go. But the big three teams really are McLaren, Ferrari, Renault. Uh, and KK's best result this far is a third place. Mm. Um, so he, he's okay as a driver. He's okay. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I've taken this off the WTF one website about the strike itself, which is a really mm-hmm. interesting article. So, ahead of the nineteen eighty two Formula One season, the governing body FISA, pretty much the forerunner to the modern FIA, decided that it wanted to have more control over the drivers, and so tried to sneak a couple of new clauses into their super licenses. Huh. A move which ended up angering everyone. Hmm. FISA decided that it wanted to make it illegal for any of the drivers to criticize the governing body so that no matter how bad things were with the sport, the drivers would only be allowed to say good things. Wow. Um, Can never imagine that. I find that really funny about how, like right now, uh, Ben Slayam is saying, you know, drivers cannot take political. Hold on one second. Just just, uh, before. What did you call him? What was his Slayam? Why? You can speak Arabic. You can pronounce Arabic. What ben Sulaim. Sulaim? Sulaim. I've literally yes. never heard it. Ben Sulaim. You wow. British people take foreign no, words no, no, no. and you just, I don't know what, you like butcher them, you turn them into... Says ha, the American. The <laughs> what is the car that starts with H-Y-U-N? How, how do you pronounce that car? So there's currently... A, no, 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 no. Listen. That's well, not... Yes. Okay, continue. Mom, Mom listen. Yes. For uh, many, many years, Hyundai uh-huh. has been marketed uh-huh. as Hyundai in the UK. In the last couple of weeks, there's a new marketing campaign from them to say, by the way, our name was actually Hyundai. Yes! Hyundai? <laughs> but that's not our fault. They showed up and were like, our name is Hyundai. So we said, Okay. <laughs> And now like, suddenly, <laughs> in 2022, they've decided they want to have a different name. It's because, it's like, you know when you meet someone for the first time and you get their name wrong, and then you just keep calling them that, and they don't want to correct you. But then one day, 20 years later, they're like, actually, my name is Hyundai, not Hyundai, and not Ben Sulaim, or whatever. Ben Sulaim. Sulaim. But uh, if you uh, wait Bin 20 Sulaim. years to yes. tell them that, it's like you don't, no one's going to just be like, ah, yeah, I'm going to change. Like we were saying it wrong. <laughs> they they themselves were like, yeah, we are high and die. 
It's so, like uh, what's that's that? Not other? On us. That's you know, uh, Peugeot. Peugeot. It's like Peugeot. We call Peugeot. it in the UK. It's Peugeot or something like that. Oui. Or something. Le Peugeot. Like that. Le Peugeot. Peugeot. Le Peugeot. It's like um. Corrigoy. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. Continue your story about Ben Salim. Um, so, no, I'm just saying that the, this stuff from the past echoes that. But um, Okay, yes, it does. Yeah, it definitely does. The one thing that really annoyed the drivers was a new rule stating that drivers would no longer be allowed to negotiate contracts with other teams themselves. Oh, wow. Basically, drivers would be owned by teams and team could say, you know, like in football now, mm. like a team can like sell yeah, Ronaldo trade. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But what oh, this I thought you were meant... talking about American football. But yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> but base, but like now, like Lewis Hamilton, for example, negotiates a contract with Mercedes, yeah. and if he wanted to, he could go negotiate one with Ferrari, for example. But what this would allow the teams to do is halfway through the season, just be like, "Wow, Lewis is really good. Let's sell him to Williams for six billion pounds, yeah. and uh, keep the profit." Yeah, that's um, how a lot of sports are. Yeah. yeah. So that the drivers were really upset about that. So some drivers refused to sign up to these new terms. And on the Wednesday before the seasoning opening South African Grand Prix, the dispute still wasn't settled. Hmm. Ferrari's Didier Peroni and McLaren's Nicky Lauda, who was set for his first race back with McLaren since retiring, were the two most vocal against the new terms. And the then FISA president, Jean-Marie Balestre, wasn't having any of it. Um, he said, sign the license or you can't race. Take it or leave it. So the drivers decided to leave it. The first practice wow. was scheduled for Thursday, but none of the drivers were out on track. Amazing. That's because first thing that morning, the Grand Prix Drivers Association had arranged for a bus to come to the circuit. And as the other drivers arrived, Lauda and Peroni put them all on the bus. <laughs> so this is all being driven by Lauda and Peroni. But um, Lauda basically kidnapped all of them and took them back to the hotel and Peroni stayed one person uh, stayed back at the track a guy called Brian Henton he didn't have a contract to drive that year and he thought hey if I stick around here and all those guys get fired <laughs> maybe I'll get a drive so very so good good yeah. optimism there from this guy Brian Henton mm-hmm. did it work um, but yeah so as well as the bus full of drivers left the circuit, a number, a member of the March Formula One team tried to block the exit with his car. So some of the drivers jumped <laughs> off, pushed the car out of the way, and then headed off to the Sunnyside Park Hotel about five miles away. So yeah, as I said, Peroni stayed back at the track to conduct negotiations and continuously relayed messages back to Lauda. Um, the messages weren't good. Uh, Brabham <laughs> boss Bernie Eccleston set, claimed that he'd fired both his drivers, Nelson Piquet and Ricardo Patrese. Nice. While the Kyalami to circuit said, you promised us a race. If you're not putting a race on, we're impounding all of your cars and we're keeping them <laughs> as collateral. Wow. <laughs> amazing. So then it was announced amazing. that the race would be postponed for a week and that everyone taking part in the strike would be banned from F1 for life. Wow. Jeez. And Bernie Eccleston came out and said, none of the current drivers would even be missed and they can all be easily replaced. Wow, that's a this good. This guy is like the worst human being I've ever heard of in my life. Actually, I take that back. The worst human being in Formula One. I've yeah. heard of some. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get that. He's pretty bad, though. He so, is pretty bad. Back at the hotel, the drivers had taken over a conference room. Despite the bad news coming from the circuit, they all stood firm. Despite the fact that some of the drivers didn't even want to strike, and only did it out of solidarity with those who did. And some of the younger drivers didn't even really know what they were striking for. Nice. Um, it's so, the best kind of strike. Yeah. <laughs> so some team members tried to bully their drivers into coming back to the track. For the smaller teams with sponsors, um, not having the cars out on tracks you know, could have dire financial consequences. But amazingly, none of the drivers gave up, except for one. Tio Brian Fabi. Hinton. No, no. Oh. He was he'd never joined the strike. Um, <laughs> so Tio Fabi was set to make his F1 debut for the Tolman team and decided that he didn't want to jeopardize his chances. So he left. Hmm. KK Rosberg thought the whole strike was ridiculous and didn't want to be there, and yet was furious with Fabi and said he ran like a chicken. There was even a story claiming that Fabi escaped by climbing out the toilet window, but he insists that isn't true. <laughs> Wait, so they, is, I, I quite like this idea of what what they've been kid basically kidnapped, and some of them are like, "I want to go back," and they're being yeah. held by the big boys, going, and "No." What I like about KK Rosberg didn't even want to strike. He was like, "This is stupid," but 
I'm standing firm with the other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask him about it when I meet him. It's yeah. an interesting you position you to be in, though. I can, I can kind of get that. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, it's like, I don't agree with yeah. you, but I realize that to screw you, though, like, to go against you would just be a bad thing in the long term. It's And you're like, uh... I don't understand Ash. At the beginning of this episode, he was talking about how he's in solidarity with all the strikers. Now he's like, I don't know why they would be striking. I don't know, Ash. You don't, you, you, you surprise me. I don't get it. Well, I don't know why they'd be striking. No, no, I'm just saying that, like, I get why um, someone would be like, I'm going to do this in solidarity, even if I don't know what's going on. Yeah, KK. KK. Oh, okay. Not, not okay. me. I mean, okay. I'd be like, first of all, it'd be nice to be in a union. Um... <laughs> Um, so in the meantime the drivers were finding ways to entertain each other they'd taken over a conference room and uh, Gilles Villeneuve played some songs on the piano but then was totally one-upped by Elio de Angelis Angelis? Angelis Angela Mm. Elio de someone who played Mozart to the level of a concert pianist Mm. Nicky Lauda decided to do a stand-up comedy routine, <laughs> which I wish I could watch. Um, but yeah. the piano eventually had to be used to barricade the door to stop other team members coming in and trying to oh force the God. drivers out. They, what? They took a Literally piano insane. and barricaded the, the this hotel. Yeah, they barricaded themselves a grand into this pi- conference It must have been a grand piano, at least an upright. I don't know. What the hell? That's mad. So <laughs> there was no leeway on discussions back at the circuit, and so the drivers decided to settle down for the night. In order to remain united, they decided to have a big sleepover party, uh, <laughs> and a load of mattresses were spread across the floor, and they all went to sleep. Or at least they yeah. tried to. Uh, Carlos Reutemann apparently snored so heavily through the night that he was keeping people awake until Gilles Villeneuve covered his face with a blanket to mute and the And then sound. killed him. <laughs> Suffocated him. Killed him. <laughs> it's like, it's a dangerous thing to do, man. Um, so the next morning, Peroni... It sounds Peroni... like a fever dream that someone had. Yeah, it it's wild, like isn't story. it? So the next morning, Peroni, who was back on the track negotiating, meanwhile, Jochen Mass, who showed up late and didn't realise a strike was happening, uh, hmm. who didn't decide then to not take any part in it, decided to go out on the track for a few laps, so he was the only car out there. All the teams made a bit of a joke about it, and every team came out and held up pit boards with wildly differing pit times. So he had no idea <laughs> how fast he was lapping. Um, and then after a few laps, he was black flagged, but that was as a joke too. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we're just gonna black flag you as a joke yeah. because you're the only driver out there. Yeah. This whole thing is a joke. Yeah. So around this time, Fisa and Balestri relented, saying there would be a temporary truce. The race would go ahead as normal with no ramifications for the drivers and that discussions over the super licenses would continue afterwards. Hmm. Patrick Tambe uh, was so fed up with the way F1 had gone in the last few years um, and although he enjoyed the impromptu strike, the politics of the whole situation was the last straw and he retired from F1 on the spot. Wow. Wow. Who is the equivalent in 2022? Who retires on the spot out of anger? Seb? Oh, maybe. But Seb's like a world champion. Patrick Tambe, I don't know. It, it's a bit like Carlos Sainz suddenly just retiring. Like, you were like, well, that's... <laughs> Amazing. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like pretty random. But um, he retired from F1 on the spot and walked away. And guess who took his drive? Brian Hinton. Let's yes. go. The guy that stuck around the circuit hoping for some <laughs> shenanigans. So, yeah, <laughs> the opportunity. That teaches you. If appeared. you want your dream job, show up to that place of work and just stick around till someone resigns out of disgust and take their job. That's how you do um, it. So, yeah, at the time, Tambe joked to a journalist that he'd only ever return to F1 if it was with Ferrari or Renault. Hmm. So later in his career, he came back and drove for both. Um, what's significant about the later part of his career is he won the San Marino Grand Prix in 1983 so the next year and why that's important is it was the last time old man Enzo saw one of his Ferrari F1 cars win before he died five years later so in his older age at that point he wasn't able to travel out of Italy so he could only Mm. ever attend the Italian Grand Prix and that was the last Italian Grand Prix Ferrari won until the Schumacher era. Amazing. So, uh, meanwhile, Bernie Eccleston was still furious at his own drivers and was refusing to let reigning champion Nelson Piquet drive his car. So remember, Bernie is the team principal of Brabham. And he's like, yeah, Nelson, you're not allowed to drive my car. 
Um, and he claimed it was because of a lack of sleep. He was unfit to drive. So Nelson Pika had to go find a doctor who would clear him to drive. Wow. Uh, and that way, that way he had to. Um, wow. Afterwards, though, it turned out that Balestre's promise had meant nothing. All the drivers who took part in the strike received fines of $10,000, oh as well as suspended God. race bans. So furious with having been stabbed in the back, all the drivers successfully appealed to the FIA Court of Appeal. Um, The FIA Court of Appeal also took a dim view of Balestre and FISA and criticised them for trying to control what the drivers were able to do. So as a result, the super licences were changed back and the two offending clauses removed. So in the end, the strike had worked. So solidarity to all our ambulance drivers, nurses, driving instructors, doctors, rail workers who else is striking usher god bin people fishermen grocery store people all of them uh the guy that turns the lights on in the morning uh the guy that makes socks the milk delivery man uh who else is striking solidarity to all of them and Mm -hmm. on the best of luck shall we briefly get to the racing let's do it let's do it and then we'll cut in the middle and leave people in suspense yeah well no i've got a good place to end so right shall we get on to the racing so I've taken the next little bit from um, the F1 season review, which Mm. is uh, narrated by Clive James. And he has the weirdest way of saying things sometimes. Um, So, yeah, this this is a weird thing that he said. The big theme of the season, the turbo cars went fast, especially at altitude. But except for the Ferraris, they tended not to get there. The Cosworth engines got there, but tended not to go fast. (laughs) That's such a weird way to say something. So, Ash... (laughs) Um, as the engineer here so Ash as the engineer here um, you are the person that understands engines the best can you tell us the difference between a turbocharged (laughs) and naturally aspirated engine or Mohammed, what do you think the difference is and then we'll oh yeah it's pretty obvious turbocharged is when you stick a monster energy drink in the engine (laughs) and it just like then you hit the nitrous button and it just like Vroom, off in the distance naturally aspirated is when it just starts sweating because it's hot and then the extra sweat gives it the boost it needs to go further i like i like that i'm 100 percent confident in that answer it's better engineer ash uh not entirely sure naturally aspirated i'm not sure but turbocharge is where you you just spit up and uh, what is it you use the um is it the exhaust fumes to spin uh, something that will uh, add more oxygen into the um, combustion mixture and, and the pistons and make it more rich and therefore move yeah. faster. It's naturally aspirated like in Mad Max when the guy takes the fuel in his mouth and he spits it into the engine. Yes. Um, so <laughs> it's the main difference between turbocharged and naturally aspirated engines is that a turbocharged engine, as you said, uses a turbine to compress the air and provide extra oxygen to the combustion chamber. While a naturally aspirated engine relies solely on the downward movements of the piston to draw air into the engine. This means that turbocharged engines can produce more power and torque wow. than a naturally aspirated engine, but it also tends to be more complex, more expensive, and less reliable. So minimum weight limits favoured the heavy turbo cars. So Cosworth cars, um, Cosworth is an engine manufacturer. They were using naturally aspirated engines, and they had water-cooled brakes. So what they used to do was fill the car up with all this water and said, yeah, we need it. But when the race started, they would just dump all the water and say, oh, yeah, we're using the water to cool the brakes. And they would suddenly be a lot lighter underneath the minimum weight limit. Incredible. Um, So from the season review, again, narrated by Clive James, he said, nobody believes it to be a good thing that serious designers, most of them grown men, should spend half their time dreaming half ways to bend the rules but nobody knows how to stop it. Why does he talk like that? I don't know. I don't know why he talks like that. It's really weird. (laughs) Um, So at Kayalami, at the front of the track, there's two Renaults, two Ferraris, and two Brabham's, uh, and they were the turbo engine cars, which is why they went so fast. So PK's Brabham went Mm. into a hill. Um, Villeneuve's Ferrari just suddenly started releasing loads of smoke and blew up. Oh, my God. The Renaults of Arnoux was leading Prost, uh, and then Prost's front right wheel suddenly was up in the air, but that's because his left rear had a puncture. So he oh. had to pull in to get it changed. And he came out in, in what was it? Eighth place. Uh, Reutemann inherited second place. And this, this is where I think the narrator gets a bit racist because he said, mm-hmm. so 
Carlos Reutemann is Argentinian, right? Yeah. And he said this put him in a good mood. If if his mood is good, Reutemann goes like the Argentinian Air Force. But if his mood is bad, he fades away like the Argentinian army. I don't know enough about South American military to understand the context of the racism behind that. But I'll take your word for it. Is that during the, what was it, the um, Falklands? Sounds uh, like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Reutemann raced from 1971 to 1982, and this would be his last podium. He was a race winner with Ferrari in 1981, and the year before... He came second in the championship, losing to PK in the season finale by one point. Wow. He had gearbox failure in the last race and dropped out of the points. Otherwise, he would have been champion. He would have also been champion if the original season opener in South Africa had been counted. But that race was downgraded (gasps) to a non-championship race because of other political shenanigans. (gasps) And then there was all this other stuff about PK using an illegal car (gasps) as well. Um, but then it was later found to be like technically broke the rules, but they were like, yeah, it's fine. It's probably within the margin of error. So <laughs> basically in 1981, Reutemann should have been world champion, but wow. he basically, he, he returned for the next race in Brazil, but then just decided to step away from F1 altogether. Um, he said it was because of the Falklands war. It was very uncomfortable. I mean, you look at Williams where one of the teams he was at and, you know, was it Frank Williams has a big poster of Margaret Thatcher on the wall. Yeah. And as an Argentinian, yeah. he was like in an uncomfortable position there. But he went on to have a successful political career in Argentina, oh, becoming wow. governor and then senator of Santa Fe, and was even tipped to run for president twice. Yeah. So he had a long, uh, successful political career there. Mm. But yeah, back to, back to our race uh, in Kayalami. So Peroni's Ferrari broke down too. Prost uh, was back on the track and pulled past everyone, including his own teammate, to take first. Uh, and Lauda, back from retirement, got fourth place. Hmm. Um, and at this stage, everyone thought, look, these Renaults are so fast. Um, Prost was totally out of it, fell down to eighth place and came back. You know the sort of, when we're talking about Mercedes in like 2015, 16, 17, that's how people thought the Renaults were uh, at this race. Wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. So race two was in Rio. Once again, the turbo engine cars led the way. Villeneuve was in first, but somehow KK Rosberg got second place in his naturally aspirated engine. Um, So again, from Clive James, he said, KK Rosberg didn't know he was supposed to be obsolete. (laughs) What an asshole. So, I don't I, I don't want this guy to talk about my life because I'm yeah, scared of what he would say about exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> so Piquet uh, was going even faster than Rosberg and climbed up to the leading group. So the Brabham that Piquet was in, you know, you, you, there were all, it's, there's some great racing. Um, you need to watch the clips from this because at one point they're like three, four cars going into a corner together. There's the Renaults. Wow the Brabham's and then KK Rosberg somehow has his Williams there in like a panic Mm. being like, you know, it's the equivalent of a Williams today. Well, not the Williams today, but maybe I'm trying to think of McLaren. Yeah. Maybe like a McLaren suddenly finding itself, you know, in a podium position and having to fight against like the Red Bulls and Ferraris and things. Yeah. 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 Um, So PK got past Rosberg and Villeneuve into the lead. Mm -hmm. PK closed up the gap at Rosberg got past him again honestly you've got to watch the footage it's so amazing there's twitchy sliding cars everywhere sure. and they're just overtaking each other again and again and again until um pk got past rosberg and then squeezed villeneuve who just got launched onto the grass into the opposite mm-hmm. fence backwards mm-hmm. uh, pk managed to hold off rosberg and as clive yeah. james said rosberg was the man from a country no brazilian had heard of <laughs> god <laughs> Is she just sitting there like trolling everyone? (laughs) I think so. Um, But yeah, so PK then uh, climbed up uh, onto the podium, exhausted, because it was an amazing race, but it was in like extreme heat. So he was like dehydrated, totally lightheaded, uh, and then he fainted and collapsed on the podium. Incredible. The most amazing ending to that race i have to watch that race now i feel like so legend says the brain damage made him racist (laughs) or or it was literally everything else going on around him but at least he was declared the winner of the brazilian grand prix for now 
<laughs> what? <laughs> is that where it ends? Is that where the story ends? Ah, wow. You'll need to tune in to the next episode to find out who the real winner of the Brazilian Grand Prix was. Amazing. Amazing. All right. That was fun. So we'll try to hit. That was two. How many races were in the season? 18? 15? 16. Oh, right. So we'll try to do this in eight episodes. Is that William Shakespeare? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's whatever you want it to be. It's supposed to be fat, but whatever. I think those were headphones. Yes. I think those were headphones. Yes. Why is Shakespeare wearing headphones? Because uh, Arafat is Shakespeare, and Shakespeare's Arafat, didn't you know? Arafat's the brown reincarnation. Uh... We're just going with that. I'm Basically, I'm looking right, at your I'm faces on the screen. To close up. Um... It sounds like Mom 1982. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> I'm trying to close the episode, Ash. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening to this first episode of the 1982 Slow Pit Stop podcast mini-series that we're doing. Um, I'm very excited to find out what happens in this season. It's apparently one of the all-time great seasons uh, in history ever. Arfa, are you excited to take us on this journey? I am very excited to take you on this journey and thank you everyone for joining us today. Remember to follow us at Slow Pit Stop on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we will have a Facebook page by this point in time. Uh, yeah, and just leave a comment um, on what what you think so far. Woo! Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.